Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, life is full of challenges. And that probably seems like an obvious statement, like, yes, life is full of challenges. So when my wife, uh, the last two houses uh, that we've purchased, uh, we go through the process of, you know, looking around and all that. We talk to realtors and all that stuff. Well, the last two houses that we purchased uh, both had a similar issue arise. So one of the things that I asked each realtor as we're, we're looking around, hey, has there ever been water in the basement? Oh, no, no, never been a problem, never an issue. I kid you not, like several months, not even, not even years, like a few months after we moved into last, our last two houses, both of them had water in the basement. The sump pump went out at both places, and, and sure enough, there's water. So our last house, when we lived down in Chatham, Illinois, um, I, my wife had a girls group over, and I'd just come back from a meeting late at night, and it was probably like, I don't know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, something like that. But I'm in the kitchen, and I hear something. And sure enough, I go open the basement door, and I can look down and see it. And every time I tell the story, like, it probably gets worse, but I'm just like, it was like this much, probably like this much, but I could see the water. And I'm like, oh, no. And sure enough, I walk down there. Everything is squishy and wet, and, and we had to rip out all the flooring and, and replace baseboards and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know that moment when you realize, like, there's water in your basement, like you scramble, you're getting everything off the floor and like trying to get, catch everything, make sure it doesn't get ruined. And then there's the weeks that follow, right? Like you got to do all the replacements and call people to come in and coordinate all that. And it's, it is just like, ugh, right? You have these moments where there's like basement flooding moments and there's challenge. Well, there's other moments, and maybe you remember this. When COVID hit and we didn't really know what was going to happen, like people real quick went to the grocery store, and what did they take? Toilet paper. You go down the toilet paper aisle, and there's nothing there. And you're like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I got to find toilet paper somewhere, and you're scrambling around, and you hit those moments, toilet paper moments, where it's just like, ugh. And then, let's be honest, it's just inconvenient, right? Like, we were all fine, not a big deal, Unless you were literally out of toilet paper, then maybe you had some issues. But we have these moments in life where we have toilet paper moments. We have basement flooding moments. But then there are these other moments where it's actually more serious. And we're going to look at a story today that is not like these two. It's in this spectrum, but it's on this end. Where there's serious threat. There's hardship. And even the threat of death. Life is full of challenge. And maybe you've had a moment recently, maybe not quite this, and maybe not quite this either, but somewhere in here, there's been challenge. A relationship that is just not going the way that it's supposed to. You've lost your job, and you're not sure how you're going to pay your bills. You've had these moments where just challenge comes, and you're like, how am I to respond, Lord? Like, what am I supposed to do in these kinds of things? That's what I want to talk about today. I want us to dive into the scriptures to see what is God showing us about these moments? What does he want us to know? And how does he want us to respond when they come? That's why we're doing this series. It's called Standing on a Firm Foundation. 
And we want to explore what it is for us to stand in Jesus when hard times come. And so that's what we're going to do today. So I invite you, if you would, turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at a brief little story in the life of the early church. But before we get to that, I want to highlight a key idea that I think needs to be named as we're talking about this. So Jesus himself, when he was with his disciples, he he was in the upper room about to head to the cross. Like, this is the night before, things are about to get crazy, and, and he's talking to them. He's trying to give them what they need to know. And you can imagine that, like, okay, you know, if I only have a few hours, what do I need to tell somebody? Like, you're going to pay attention to that if you know that's coming. And so what Jesus does is he's talking to them, and he gives them these words in John 16, verse 33. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, now notice, it's not, in this world, you might have trouble, or sometimes things might get hard, like, uh, it could happen to you, like, no, 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 you will have trouble. I think sometimes, as Christians, we start to operate with this idea of like, oh, I'm starting to follow Jesus, I go to church, I go to Bible study, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. We start to think then things should go well. And, And hear me, like following Jesus is the best way to handle life. It goes better when we do follow him. But notice here what Jesus is saying. He's promising us trouble. He doesn't say that if you start following me, everything's gonna be easy. It's gonna go how you expect. Like everything that you want, it's all coming to you. No, that is not what he's saying. But sometimes we think that, right? We get into these moments where hard times come when we face challenges and it's like, it shouldn't be like this. And it shouldn't. But we expect certain outcomes. And we get frustrated and angry and it feels unjust. But Jesus told us this is going to happen. We don't have a life of ease. Things aren't going to always work out for us because we follow Jesus. Actually, he tells us the opposite. You're going to have trouble. And remember, when is he saying this? Right before this group that he's speaking to is going to abandon him. They're all going sh- to flee. They're all going to scatter because of what's about to happen. And they find out later that, that he's been killed. Like it's over. It's all said and done. Like we've lost. You will have trouble. You will have trouble. And I think that's a key idea that we need to remember as we're diving into this. Because we're going to look at a story of another scattering. The disciples themselves, they scattered that night, but it's not the first time that the church is going to face, it's not the last time the church is going to face scattering. So in Acts chapter 8, I want to read to you a brief moment in the life of the early church. So uh, verse 1, we're going to pick up there, but a little context. What's just happened right before this is Stephen's death. Stephen was a member of the church, he became an early convert, and he was the first person to die from the name of Jesus. You see, he's, he's preaching and, and the religious leaders don't like it and they confront him and there's this moment where they decide this is it, he's blaspheming, we're gonna kill him. And sure enough, they do. And this emboldens them. So read what happens on that day that Stephen is killed. Verse one in chapter eight. 
On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged both men and women and put them in prison. The religious people at that time, they they decide, like, we can get him. We're going to get the rest of them. And that's exactly what they do. They go after the church. And it highlights one man in particular, Saul. Now, if you know the Bible, you know that this person is is the person who becomes Paul, kind of the key figurehead in leading the mission of of the church forward. But, like, at this time, he's looking at this and saying, I want to snuff this out. And that word destroy, Luke uses that word destroy. It's the same word in Greek that you talk about a wild animal that's ravaging its prey. Like he's being ferocious. And you see that he's not being discriminate. Men and women, he's going after everybody. He's putting them in prison. And they're under the threat of death. The church is facing opposition right now. They're facing significant challenge. Right here is a moment where things have been like heading in in a good direction. People are coming to the faith and and now there's barrier. There's barrier. So I have a missionary friend who's in town right now. Um, He's on furlough. He's about ready to head back to his mission field. He's in the Philippines. But he was telling me the story about another missionary that he met recently at a conference. And this missionary is from Nigeria originally, but he's serving in a country that is hostile to the faith. And he's kind of in the underground and in the quiet. And what he does is he shares the faith and then he'll host Bible studies and church in his house. But at any moment, they could get a knock at the door. If they're having Bible study and they hear a knock at the door, they have 10 seconds to flip the room to make it look like it's a birthday party or some kind of other gathering. Because sure enough, if they get discovered, prison is probably the least of their worries. That is the reality that this guy lives in that he's ministering in. Now, we here in our country, we probably don't face that. We're, we're probably not going to be under the threat of death. But we still face challenge. We're going to face these difficult moments that come. And while there is a large spectrum for, from death and persecution to, to toilet paper, right? Like, there's a spectrum of challenge. I think what God wants us to know is that the response can still be the same in whatever context we face. And that's what I want to look at. And so whatever you might be facing as an individual, whether it's a bad relationship, something that's not going the way that it's supposed to, you've lost your job, you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, your basement floods, (laughs) and you've got to deal with the challenge of that. Or you have these moments where it's just like you don't see the way forward. You're like, God, what am I to do? Where is your faithfulness? What does God want us to know about these moments? Keep reading. Verse 4 in chapter 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. 
So there was great joy in the city. Just notice what Luke is doing here. He's, He's showing us this contrast of like Saul is going out to get people. But let me show you what Philip does, what the church is doing. And so you'll see in the text that once there's this scattering, like people are having to flee their homes. Like there's a persecution that breaks out. Paul or Saul is on, their, on his way to find people. Others are joining in. Like they have to run. They're leaving their homes. They're leaving Jerusalem. They can't stay there anymore. And so they scatter. They flee. But what do they do? They do what they've always been doing. They preach the word. They proclaim about Jesus. They tell people that they come in contact with This is what I know. This is what I've experienced. Like we proclaim who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. They tell people about Jesus. But notice, Philip, as as this example, where does he go? He goes to Samaria. Now, if you know your Bibles, if you know kind of the story, you know that this actually isn't a good thing. Samaria was hostile to Jerusalem. Like these two people groups, they kind of come from a similar lineage, but like they're divergent and they did not like each other. Like the good Samaritan was a scandalous kind of thing. And so Samaria is not someplace you'd really want to be because Philip, he flees from persecution, but he doesn't go to something rosy like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll preach here. This is easy and all that. No, he went to a hostile environment. He went to Samaria But notice what happens. The text tells us that signs are performed. This is the kind of thing that Jesus did when he was on the earth. They're doing the same kind of ministry. Like they're continuing what Jesus started. It's not like, okay, we're doing something different. Like, no, we're we're doing what Jesus has been doing. And we see that there's healings. There's casting out. There's people who are rescued And so what happens out of all of this? There is great joy. There's great joy in the city. They pay attention to to what Philip is saying, and, and they're receiving this message. The Samaritans, who are against the Jews in Jerusalem, like, they're receiving the Messiah. They're receiving the good news. And and Luke makes it clear, actually, in, in verse 12, if you jump down there and take a look. It says, when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and of the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They have said, yes, we will follow Jesus. This is what happens. This this is what's taking place when Philip shows up. Because he was scattered by persecution, he goes, he preaches, and the kingdom is expanded. So maybe to tie this back together with what Jesus said, I want to jump back to to John chapter 16. He tells us that we are going to have trouble. But what does he say next? Take heart, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome all the obstacles that you're going to face. You're going to have trouble. There's going to be hardship, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And remember, Jesus said this right before He went to this cross. He's about to die, and he's about to lay down his life. Why? So that he can overcome the world. This world is broken. It's not as it should be. 
Things do not operate the way that God intended, and we are a part of that. We've, we've committed wrong. We've done the wrong thing. We've sinned against him. But he's not content to leave it that way. And he provides the way forward so that death, the result of sin, death, has now overcome. That is what Jesus came to do, to overcome death, overcome sin, and provide the way back to the Lord. He has overcome. He has overcome. And he did that by his resurrection. And so what we see is that resurrection power, that resurrection idea is carried through to the church. They face challenge. They face obstacle. They're against it. And Jesus provides the way forward. And so what we see is that Jesus is bringing to fruition what he has already said he's going to do. And in a particular way, I want to highlight one other verse in, in the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verse 8. So Jesus is still with his disciples. He's about ready to leave. And he tells them, like, here's, here's your marching orders. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to do something for me. I want you to be my witnesses. And so what he tells them is that the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to receive power from him. He's going to dwell with you. He's going to work inside of you. You will receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now notice, where are they the witnesses? They started in Jerusalem, but then they go to Judea and Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. Where is Philip? He's in Samaria. This scattering, this persecution has brought about God's plan. And this is the key idea that God wants us to know in these moments. He brings good out of bad. God brings good out of bad. This is the way that he works. Nothing can thwart his plans. Nothing is going to get in the way of what he is aiming to do. So no matter what challenge comes whether it's individual, personal for you, like you're up against it, or whether it's corporate and communal like we're facing as a church, nothing gets in the way of God's plans because he brings good out of bad. And that's the idea that God wants us to walk around with today. So no matter what you face, no matter what challenge comes for you, God is working, and he's working to bring good out of bad. He's working to bring about the positive ends that he is seeking. He's working to bring about his kingdom. This is what he does. God brings good out of bad, and we see that in this story. We see that with Philip. We see that with the church, and we see in the rest of the book of Acts the spreading of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. This is the way God is. So, this is the key idea that I want you to walk away with today. No matter you face a toilet paper moment, a flooding in the basement moment, or you're actually up against serious threat, even the threat of your life, this is true. God is working to bring good out of bad. So how do we live with this? What does it look like for us to like walk around with this and take this forward? I've got four kind of key ideas that I want to share with you. So number one, part of our response is this idea. Jesus is king. 
And he has authority over everything. And we need to rest in that. Jesus is king. That's why he has come. He has come to say, like, I have rulership over all, and so nothing can overcome me. And I demonstrated that with my resurrection. Nothing can overcome me. I am king. I have authority. And I have authority in your life. No matter what you face, no matter what challenge is there, I have authority over that. And you can trust me. And so this is a key idea we've got to build on. He is king. And we trust him for that. And that's actually number two. Number two is we trust Jesus with humility and surrender. We trust Jesus with humility and surrender. Because he's king, because he has authority, and because he's working for good, we can trust him. We can turn to him. And we can trust him with humility and surrender. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you're not sure what you think about Jesus. That's great. I'm so glad you're here. Here, Here's what he's kind of presenting for you. Start trusting me. It doesn't mean everything's going to go right or go perfectly as you expect. But what you can see is I'm working for good. And so start following me. Come with me. Trust me that I am working for your good, for the good of those around you. Trust me. If you're ready to take that step, Jesus is willing to step right with you. And you can do that right now, in this moment. Just make that choice in your head like, yes, okay. I don't have all my answers to the questions that I've got. I don't know how this is all going to go, but okay, I want to give this a try. That is what he's offering right now. You can do that. But for many of us, we've made that choice, that initial choice of trusting, but it doesn't stop there. It is a continual act of choosing to trust. See, we hit these moments, these challenges, where things are just not as we expect them to be, and it stirs in us questions, and we're uncertain, and and we get a little bit, "Mm, what's going to happen here? It's a call to recommit our trust to him. And that's where the humility and the surrender comes in. We're called to lay down our expectations, our desires, even the outcomes themselves. We're we're not in control of that. But what we are in control of is our ability to come to him, to lay down our expectations at his feet and say, I surrender that. I trust you with it. And I think that's what we've got to do as individuals when we face these hard moments. When we're not sure how things are going to go, we've got to let go. We've got to trust. We've got to humbly come to him and say, all right, I'll go with you, Lord. I think we've all also got to do that as a church. So we're in this season. We're in this challenge. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you taking us? Collectively, we're called to do that too. We're called to lay down our expectations. Like, here's how it's got to go, and here's, here's the way we should move forward. Like, Lord, we got to lay that at your feet. And we got to trust you with it. And we got to follow where you lead. That's where the humility and the surrender really becomes real. When we let go of our expectations, let go of the outcomes. So that's number two. We're called to trust Jesus with humility and surrender. And number three, the next thing we're supposed to do is we're to seek his plans. We're to seek him. And I think the way that we do that is we start paying attention, like, where are you working, God? Like, what is it that you're doing? Like, where can I see? Like, oh, man, God's doing something here. Then we join him in it. 
we join him in where he is already at work. We see where he's taking things and we go along with where he's leading. It's hard to discern that sometimes, totally acknowledge that. But we start paying attention. Where do we see evidence of God's grace? Where do we see evidence of the spirit moving? And we take a step towards that. We seek his plans. It's not our plans. It's not what we want. It's not what we would choose, but we seek his plans. That's number three. And then finally, number four, we hope. We choose to hope. We hold fast to hope and courage. See, we we know how this is going to go. We know that at the end of history, everything's going to play out and it's going to be God's kingdom. It's going to be him. He's on the throne. We know where it's going. That is our hope. We don't know how things are going to go now. We don't know what's going to play out, but we know that God is working for our good. And so we hold fast to that. We trust him that this is going to be what's best. And so we choose that hope. But we choose the courage that comes with it. Because there's going to be times when we're going to be tested, where we're going to be up against it again, where we're going to feel like, I'm not so sure. And we need to stand firm with courage when it's hard to do so. That courage is necessary. That steadfastness, we are firmly planted in who? We're in Jesus. And we don't waver from that. But if we do, he's there to catch us. Because again, he is working for good. He's always bringing good out of bad. This is the way that God works. And so no matter what happens, no matter how solid we are or not, he's working. But we choose to hold fast, to hope and to courage. Because this idea is true. God brings good out of bad. And so last week we had uh, Jeff, a a guest preacher, and he came in and he taught from uh, James 1 and talked about how we're called to choose joy in trials. Like, what? (laughs) Choose joy in trials. This is why. Because God is working to bring about good out of bad. And while we may not feel joyful, feel happy or excited, like it's right not to feel that, we can choose joy because we know where it's going. And where it's going is good. And ultimately, it's for our betterment. It's for our maturing in the faith. We look more and more like Jesus through these trials. And so that's what I hope you walked away with last week. Like we're called to choose joy. We're called to to choose joy in trials because it's for our growth in Jesus. And this is why. God is working to bring good out of bad. So church family, in this season that we face right now, we're up against it. There's a lot of challenge. We don't know exactly how things are going to play out, but here's what we do know. God is working. He's working for good. Wherever there is bad, wherever there is challenge, he is going to redeem from it. And so what we want to do is we want to trust him. He is king. He has authority. We want to trust him as a church family. And so we're going to do that. We're going to surrender collectively about our expectations, the outcomes, and we're going to trust him to lead us forward. And we're going to look to see where he's working. And we're going to hold fast to that. So that's why we invite you to come on the 29th. It's going to be a time for us to discern, like, Lord, what are you doing? We're going to pray into that. And we're going to watch. And we're going to see what he's about to do. But in the meantime, here's this idea. God is working to bring good out of bad. Cling to that.